Yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. What's up, table fam? Is it is so good to know that this time when I step on stage, the microphone works. Uh, if you don't get that, last week I stepped up on stage, I said hello, and I went through this whole introduction, and then I realized that my microphone was off. So, um, if this is your first time at the table, or this is the first time in a long time, or you just you come you've been coming here every week since it was Anthem, I just want to welcome you. Uh, as Isaac just mentioned, my name is Dan. I'm the table production director. And uh, I'm hopefully going to live up to the, the setup that he just gave me. Um, but before I get started, I, I want to give a couple of shout outs and some thank yous. I want to thank the table staff for just the leadership they provide. <laughs> and for the opportunity to speak tonight, I want to thank the band for just whew, amazing worship. Uh, especially the song Mercy, because as we'll get into a little bit later, um, it's just, you know, it, it's his goodness and mercy that has brought me here, and it's not on what I've done. Um, I also want to thank the hosts, because they're the ones kind of set up this hospitable environment. Um, and lastly, uh, I just want to thank everybody in this room who chose on a Tuesday night to come visit with us. Um, in fact, before uh, I go any further, I want to pray just to kind of uh, give thanks to God as well for bringing us here tonight. So if you'll pray with me. Uh, dear God, thank you for uh, the table and all that it's meant to me in my life and it being my family, my spiritual family. Thank you for the healing and the brokenness that you bring in this place and the direction to the recovery that you give and the courage to live, to glorify you and love others. Um, and I, I ask all of you out there as well uh, that you will pray at, in this moment to uh, have some receptiveness and teachability to this message. And I also pray, I ask you that you will pray for me that I will be filled with the Holy Spirit and be able to speak God's word and what he wants us to hear tonight. And God, I just want to thank you again for this opportunity. I, I pray that you will give us the open eyes to see what it is you're doing in our lives, the open ears to hear your voice and what it is that you are speaking to us and give us open hearts and minds so that we can understand what it is you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Ooh, a collective amen, but that's what it sounds like on this side. Cool. Um, so as you know, last week we kind of set up the first bit of our dating series. Uh, Isaac did an awesome job of kind of showing us what it looks like to love out of insecurity versus loving in confidence. And so tonight... We're talking about singleness. So if, if, you were, if you were expecting the sex talk this week, <laughs> surprise. I'm not going to be talking about that one. Um, as in life, you're going to have to wait on that sermon. Uh, and, of course, the dating and the marriage sermons are going to come before that one. Um, I've noticed uh, in my conversations with people in this room, as well as just my general experience in singleness, there's a wide range of emotions uh, when it comes to this topic. And I just want to kind of set us up with 
um, just cl clarifying, I am not a pastor or a counselor or a therapist. I'm just a guy whose life was a dumpster fire train wreck before I came to see the true glory of Jesus' love for me. And I'm here to share my story and just give us a little bit of a hope in this season. Um, so let's all just take a deep breath. All right. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, as Psalm 107 says. Uh, so my story starts out very similar to, well, actually not just similar, the same as everybody in this room. My mom's in the room, so she can attest to this. I was born single. I didn't, I didn't, you know, just show up with my marriage certificate in hand, you know, tuxedo. I was born single. And I would even say that my most impactful or uh, the wisest season of singleness that I've experienced in my life was my preschool years to my elementary school years. <laughs> I didn't even care that I was single because I was just too busy being a kid. I was learning the skills that were kind of necessary to participating in fellowship. So I was learning how to ride a bike. I was learning how to swim. Um, I was learning my ABCs. I, I still didn't learn how to count, which is why I'm an English major, so do that math. Um, but I also learned coloring in and out of the lines, how to tell stories, and I spent a lot of time reenacting the Lord of the Rings movies with my best friends in the backyard woods. Um, and we also did a lot of daredevil uh, stuff that I'm pretty sure gave my mom heart attacks anytime I came home with a new cut on my ankle or a bruise on my head. Um, but when it came to recess, uh, back in the day, back before cooties, I mean, well, no, back before COVID, there was cooties. <laughs> um, and so I think we've all been there, you know, every now and then at recess, the girls would chase the guys, or maybe the guys would chase the girls. But I, I, look, Despite what you may see, I was not one of the people that was being chased. Uh, and so even in my elementary school years, I was like, is there, is there a reason why no one's chasing me? And so this kind of built up to middle school when I officially started seeking romance. And it was actually um, in the midst of my parents' divorce, which that could be its own sermon and ain't nobody ready for that sermon yet. Um, but the, the divorce coincided with my first breakup. And that kind of sent me on this weird path of trying to figure out what is dating in high school. And then during my college years, um, I spent my first year at, in Mississippi. And I just wasn't going to date in Mississippi. I just think, no, thank you, sister cousin. Just not, not about that. Um, <laughs> And then I, I went from a year in Mississippi to art college. And so being a Christian in art college, I felt like I was on a completely different planet. And then just my final years in college in Memphis, oh, oh, I've been wanting to do this for so long. Memphis people, can I hear you? <laughs> yes. Feels so good. Um, I'll talk about those people in the back a little bit more later. Um, but... Just, I was spending those last two years of college just trying to survive four years of college. So I got my English degree, and I ran away to join the circus. Disney. That's what brought me here. 
Um, and I got to be honest, when I first got here, I was, I was like super prideful in myself. I was like, dude, I've got my self-control on lockdown. I am, I am like killing it with sexual purity. Of course, I was also kind of like ignoring the fact that I had like a drug and alcohol problem. And there was also like a pervasive addiction to porn. And so God was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Your self-control, bet. And so <laughs> he, 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 he took his hand off me for a season. And I went through this dark spiral because I was desperately running away from my singleness. And I was seeking the, the uh, happily ever after, the, or what I like to call the Disney life and the Disney wife. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing when it came to trying to date God's way, so I ended up in this cycle of fooling around and then getting involved in messy, toxic dating relationships. And then after a really bad breakup, I went through a, just a spiral of hookups and an increased uh, mixture of drugs and alcohol. And I was living with one foot in the church and one foot in the world, and my life was just ruled by insecurity, disorder, and division. And I, I got to be honest with you, I was so angry at God in this season because of just everything that was going on in my life. And I was feeling abandoned by God. And I just, I wanted purpose and belonging and figure out my identity. And I was feeling like singleness was this big obstacle. And I kept finding find myself asking, why? Now, see, if I was to take an educated guess, um, I believe that on some level in this room, many of us can kind of resonate with that experience of singleness, or at least we find ourselves running in these circles around this big question, why? Uh, it, it could be coming from our, our desire for marriage someday, or maybe we're, we're the single person with a bunch of married friends. Um, or maybe ex we've experienced this long season of singleness. Uh, or maybe not even having ever dated before. And we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people like, God, I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to live my life the way you call me to. And they're not doing it. And they're in a relationship and they're happy. What? Why not me? And I feel like we, we, we find ourselves in these cycles of questions like, will I never be whole? Will I always be a half a person because I don't have my other half? Or is there something wrong with me? Am I not enough? Uh, will I never be loved? And I think it all kind of boils down to the question, why am I single? I know I've kind of left us here on this downer note, but thankfully... Uh, the Apostle Paul spent almost his entire ministry as single, so he's got some things that will kind of give us a clear reason of uh, for singleness, but also how we can move forward into it. So if you will open your Bibles or your phones to 1 Corinthians 7, 28 through 35, um, we'll even have it up on the screen here. But before, it's, before I get into reading it, I just want to kind of set up the context. Um, the city of Corinth was, I put my nerd glasses on, um, the city of Corinth was this point of trade between Europe and Asia, so it was a very, it was a city of commerce, it was very wealthy, um, it was one of the largest and most diverse, uh, places in Greece, 
And uh, they worshipped Aphrodite, who's the goddess of love, beauty, and pleasure. So, I mean, you can imagine that Christian dating was a big surprise when uh, Paul introduced that. Um, they were also a culture of promiscuity, and since they were a, a trade port, any, uh, any influence coming from the world outside, they would just kind of adopt. So, like, oh, this culture has a new a new deity that we see as pleasurable, so we'll put it in the pantheon. Uh, which, I mean, I think we can kind of relate to this in Orlando, just the fact that we are like the central hub of theme park and hospitality. And so it's, it's not too different. But so this is what Paul says um, to the people of the original church in Corinth. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I wish to spare you of that. This is what, it, what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, those who have wives will live as though they do not, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they were have no goods, those who deal with the world as though they have no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is now passing away. I want, to, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the unmarried man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I, see that I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion. Now, I want to just kind of notice three things from this passage, and then we're going to kind of move into some questions. The, the first thing is that there's a time for singleness. Um, as we look at verses 20 through 31, he says that the appointed time has grown short, and he also mentions that the present form of this world is passing away. So when he mentions that those who are married will act as though they're not married, it's not necessarily, he's not saying, you know, everybody's having affairs. And he's not saying, um, if you're married, go ahead and get a divorce because time is short. Instead, he's saying, just be aware that time is short and the, the time for singleness is how we're going to be uh, most benefited. So singleness is our benefit, not our restraint, as he says in 30, uh, verse 35. And our season of singleness is for securing an undivided devotion to the Lord. So for the rest of our time together, I want to ask three questions, and they are, uh, what is singleness, why am I single, and how do we live in singleness? Is everybody with me? Okay, I didn't lose everybody in reading the verses. Excellent. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so our first question, what is singleness? The way I like to define it is you're unmarried in the eyes of the Lord, the law, and the land. What does that mean? So un, uh, unmarried in the eyes of the Lord is um, your, I, I think this is where we can s see that engaged is technically single because you're not yet betrothed in a God-ordained covenantal marriage. But this could also kind of apply to people who are divorced where they were once married and now no longer married. 
or this could apply to widows and widowers who have lost the person that they're married to. Uh, in the eyes of the law, this is super, super easy. People are like, but Dan, I'm dating somebody. I'm not single. <laughs> what do you put on your taxes? <laughs> I, in the eyes of the land, I mean, in the eyes of the law, you're single. And the eyes of the land, that's just an alliterative way that I, I mean that um, this is for people where like, oh, yep, they're single. They ain't dating nobody. They ain't got no romantic ties. Um, but also the, the last thing I want us to know in this definition of singleness is that it's for all and it's for a season. So as I mentioned earlier in my story, all of us were born single. But also, I think there's like a 50% statistic that we're going to die single as well. Because if you get married, one of you's going before the other. Just, oh. <laughs> Was that too soon? What, we, you're, you're probably thinking, damn, we, we, we haven't even talked about finally getting married. And you're trying to tell me that that person's going to die before me? Okay. But trust me, there's still hope. Um, so... Let's just go ahead and move on to the second question. <laughs> Why am I single? Why am I single? Because I ask these questions. <laughs> God, I, 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 one of the things I really want us to, get, to understand is that God has a perfect plan and purpose for our singleness. And uh, in this perfect plan and purpose for our singleness, he equips us with resources like our, our, the freedom of our time and our money. And also, I would even add that one of the most valuable resources we have as single people is our yes to a, a spontaneous opportunity. It's a va very valuable resource, as Isaac mentioned, to our married friends, our friends who are engaged or dating, people who are, are widowed, or just all the people that God, Jesus lists that need help, we have the spontaneous yes to be able to say, I'm going to help where help is needed. Um, and the undivided devotion to the Lord, I think, is one of our key uh, purposes in this. Um, in verses 32 through 34, uh, Paul kind of sets this comparison between the anxieties and concerns of unmarried people versus the anxieties and concerns of married people. Um, so you're probably thinking, well, what does that mean? Let me tell you a story. Um, for those of you who don't know, I used to work at Disney. I think I mentioned that earlier. Um, but I, uh, I was a photographer, and so one of, my one of the things I loved to do on my off days was do my job but not get paid for it. So I would take people, <laughs> I would take friends with all my passes, and we'd go to the parks, and um, I noticed that there's a difference between being a single person at Disney, can I get an amen? amen? All right. And then there's a person who has to carry a group of people with them. And not, not just any group of people. I took a married couple with three kids. So y'all feel my pain already. Um, for those of y'all who are familiar with Disney, you know that for a normal single person, to get from Winnie the Pooh <laughs> all the way over to Dumbo 
We're talking five minutes max. And that's if you go slow and buy a churro. (laughs) I'm a very patient person. But the Lord was testing my patience that day. (laughs) Because these three kids, uh, I love them dearly. But one of them's crying. One of them runs away. We got to get sunscreen for this one. We got to feed this one. Now this one's crying because they don't have food like that one. So we got to feed this one. And then we start walking. And then another one runs away. So we got to get that one. It took an hour to get from Winnie the Pooh to Dumbo. Y'all get how crazy that is, right? <laughs> and, and on top of that, the husband and wife had conflicting interests, I mean, conflicting interests on the purpose of the day. Uh, she was, she's a photographer as well, so she was focused on, I just, w- it's a photo shoot mode. We got to do these photos. Let's go here because it's a good backdrop. Let's go over here. But he and I were actually kind of in on this thing, and we had forgotten to tell her. Um, it was it was her birthday, and so he was just like, let's just have a great family day and enjoy this. And so, like, these two conflicting tensions and interests were, like, at battle. And I was like, oh, so that's why what being married looks like. Uh, I mean, okay, but I, I, I do this comparison of, like, what it's like to go to Disney with kids and what it's like to be married at Disney. And I think... You could easily think that I was just saying, don't get married, don't have kids. Jesus talks about eunuchs who are made that way because they choose to. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Because um, there was actually a very beautiful moment in all that chaos that actually restored my desire to be married one day and to have kids. And it was just seeing how once they, the, the husband and wife were aligned on why we were there and she realized that this is a, a birthday trip for her birthday, everything went so much smoother, and just watching the two of them, like, take care of these chaotic kids, it was like, you know, watching an action movie where, like, they're both back to back, and they're like, bam, 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 you get, you get cookies, you get milk, you get sunscreen, and there was this beautiful moment where the dad had to take some of the kids to the bathroom, and the mom had to get something from the stroller, and she said to the, to the one kid that was staying behind, hold on to Uncle Dan's hand until I get back. And I was like, Uncle Dan. (laughs) Ah, I want to get married and have kids one day. (laughs) But um, so I kind of want to bring it back to, you know, the main idea of if, if God has a perfect plan and purpose for our season of singleness, we can either run away from that or we can lean in to our singleness. This is the biggest takeaway that I want us to have. So we can either run from our singleness or we can just lean into singleness, figure out what is it that God wants me to do in this season, and then just do it. Now, um, so what does running from singleness look like? Obviously, from my story, you know I ran in the complete opposite direction, and I've made so many mistakes. But I kind of want to break down... Um, running from singleness with three hot takes. And I I preface again that I am not a pastor, I'm not a counselor or a therapist. So if you get mad, uh, email me at uh, Isaac Trevino at (laughs) 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 firstorlando.com. 
So my first hot take is that the main purpose of singleness is not self-help. Ooh. Um, we tend, uh, I, and I've done this, we tend to focus just on ourselves and how we can help ourselves in singleness. And we, we kind of don't want God to give us the purpose in, in singleness. We want to kind of manifest the purpose for our singleness for ourselves. And the focus stays on us, and we neglect seeing those around us who are in desperate need of help. And, and I, I think that there is uh, a, a, there's absolutely an appropriate space to take care of yourself. Um, but when it comes to self-care in the season of singleness, uh, are we trying to fill our cups so that we can pour into others? Or are we just trying to draw a bath so we can get all pruney? <laughs> We're rivers for God's love and his living water, not reservoirs. We don't want to hoard God to ourselves. We want to pour out on others. All right, did we survive that first hot take? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so the second one, even bigger hot take. The main purpose of your singleness is not necessarily to prepare you for marriage. I heard some woos, but I, I, saw, I heard it get real quiet there. Um, notice in, in verse 32 and 34, uh, he doesn't mention prepping for marriage, but rather that we're focused on pleasing God and being holy in body and spirit. Now, focusing on pleasing God and being holy in body and spirit is great preparation for marriage, but it is, we, I just don't want us to lose sight that this, is, this season is best served to glorify God and others when we don't focus on ourselves. Are you still with me? All right, because this one's a doozy. Hot take number three, we are not entitled to the perfect romantic relationship based on the way we live our singleness. <laughs> I'm just trying to dodge any tomatoes that might come by, and I, I also want to step out of your business for a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, God doesn't owe us a perfect relationship just because we live our singleness a way that honors God. Because when we feel this entitlement towards the perfect relationship, we're idolizing and idealizing romance. And I think sometimes that can kind of turn us towards hating God for not being malleable to our desires. And, and I once had this opinion, as, as I stated in my story, where I was like, man, I, my willpower is on point. God deserves to give me the perfect wife. And if, if there's anything that I've learned to understand my own question of why am I suffering from singleness, I think it's rooted in the brokenness that I feel within myself and what I observe in the world. Because if, if there's one of the main things that I've learned in this season of singleness is romance is not the main storyline of life. The gospel is. And, and I, just a, a quick summation of the gospel is I think we're all very, we can sense it within ourselves and within the world. The world was created by a divine God with, out of love, and it was meant to be good. But 
sin kind of broke into the world when, when doubt crept in and we chose, to, uh, we chose our own way rather than God's way. And we, so, we sought equality with God and we disobeyed. The, the fall in the Garden of Eden um, uh, it not just affected us, but it affected nature. It affected our relationships with others. It affected our relationship with God. And there was a price that had to be paid. And that's when the God who loved us, who created us, sent his son to save us in a way that we could never do it. Because if there's anything I've learned from my story is I've lived trying to earn salvation. And I can't do it. And I've tried pretty good. Um, But we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ's sacrifice alone. And this is for, this brings us back to perfect relationship with him, with others, and all of creation around us. But this, the the point of our singleness kind of points us to that once we've received this gospel, it's not meant to stay with us. We don't stay in our holy huddles. We're to bring it out to the world, to others. And it's because of this gospel that I strongly believe that if God loved me enough to send his son to die for me, he's got to have a bigger plan in my life than just what I think would be good for me. <clears throat> so God doesn't always answer our our, our why questions of why am I single? Um, but I think based on the text that we read tonight, um, I think he gives us a lot of hows. So my question here, and I, I guess this is like hot take bonus or 4.0, um, are we waiting for God's why to determine whether or not we're going to step into the how? Or l- let me ask it this way. Are we waiting for God to tell us specific reasons why he has us in this season before we decide whether or not we're going to accept any next step that he gives us. I'll let that one sit for a second. All right. Now, now that I've kind of like gotten all the hot takes out of the way, let's answer the last question. How do we live out our singleness? And I think this is just by leaning in. So for the remainder of our time, I'm just going to give us a a few things that I've kind of learned in my singleness of how to most effectively live out our singleness so that one day we will say it was not wasted. And the first uh, most important one, I think, is to address the past. Um, Oh, oh, yeah. Um, We avoid the past processing the pain of the past and it just gets bigger it's kind of like it it goes from like this massively painful event that gets it it becomes the big boulder from indiana jones that eventually it's going to catch up and it's going to roll us over um and when we don't learn from our past we repeat it that's why sometimes when it comes to running and repeating the past i like to call it the retreat and repeat um and also, I think this kind of, this definitely falls into breakups. Um, when, you, when we go through the incredible pain of breakups, um, I, I just want to encourage us to process that before we jump into another relationship. 
And, and by processing, I, I mean like actually feel the pain and then find steps forward rather than like, you know, you go through the breakup and it's like, I'm going to let them know what they're missing. <laughs> or better yet, like, I'm going to I'm going to find someone that's even taller or prettier and I'm going to make them jealous. Like instead allow yourself to process before you go into another situation because if you don't process you're just going to keep going through the cycle. I found counseling to be the most effective way for this uh, to be able to address the past. And so I like I highly encourage it. It's Going to counseling doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that you're actually taking active steps to figuring out why do I feel this way and how, how can God heal my wounds and move me forward. The second uh, point, change the inputs. Um, Y'all thought I was done with hot takes. I was joking. Um, how about we switch from a diet of rom-coms and love songs to reading the Bible? <laughs> I heard a reaction to that one. <laughs> if we take a break from a, a diet of rom-coms and love songs and exchange that for reading the Bible and listening to worship music, it completely changes things. Look, I'll be honest. There was a season where I was listening to a lot of R&B and watching a lot of New Girl. And I was like, I'm Nick Miller, and I'm going to find me a Jess. And that's all I could think about. And I would, I would get depressed and anxious, and it's like, why do, I, why do I feel this way? And then I go and listen to more R&B and watch more New Girl. And I'm like, why do I feel like I don't have a relationship when there's a relationship on the screen right in front of me? And I, I'll also admit, I never thought I was going to be the person who listens to nothing but worship music. But if you just seek it out, you can find some really cool stuff. Like I ended up building up a 24-hour long playlist on Spotify, and then I just recently had to break it down into four bits. Um, but I also just kind of want um, to emphasize that Getting in God's word is a very crucial uh, bit in changing your inputs because in the Bible, you see who God is and who he says you are. And I think it is very, very, very important to look to the king to see uh, who says who you are versus looking to little princes and princesses to say who you are. That's, that's my take. Um, but the third one, the third point is gather community. You know, um, I think it's very beneficial since we're single and we have the resources of time and, you know, your yes to a spontaneous opportunity. This is an excellent time to just be the event planners for your, your friend groups and to intentionally create opportunities for fellowship. As I've kind of started thinking through this recently, I'm, I've been thinking through my own kind of axiom of clear plans with dear friends. Or, you know, as we say in Memphis, Tennessee, clear plans with dear friends. Um, true fellowship is intentionally initiated and occasionally inconvenient. And so I think 
those of us who have the, the resources of time could be the ones who are intentionally checking in on all of our friends, whether they're single, dating, engaged, married. Because honestly, we, we kind of live in this um, society where it's, it's easy to not be initiative in f- friendships because if it doesn't pop on the feed, we don't know. Um, treat people like people, not projects. They're people to love, not fix. Um, spark friendships with no agenda because people know when you have a hidden agenda and it's so much easier to see a, n- a need and to meet the need. Um, I think friendships are best lived out when, when you are active, engaged, and available for friendships. Um, and I, I, I think I would also probably encourage some of us here um, a lot of us have plenty of peer-to-peer relationships, people that are, you know, in the same life stage as us. But I would almost kind of encourage us in the seasons of singleness to take this time to seek out mentors, people who may be a decade, two decades older than you. Um, I know I've kind of entered that season because, you know, there's some things that you don't learn as a kid, child of divorce, when the dad steps out. You know, there's just things that, you know, if you have a godly mentor, they can teach you what you didn't get taught. Um, But sin demands isolation. There's a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer from Life Together, um, and it says, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from community, and the more isolated the person is, the more extractive the power of sin is over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, and the more disastrous his isolation is. So I want to close tonight by revisiting my story of singleness, because I I know I left it on a downer. Um, In fact, um, so where I left off, it was kind of what I would define as my rock bottom. Um, But he began to lead me out of my darkest years uh, in about 2019, um, and I, there were so many things that I was clinging to for identity and belonging and purpose that I just had to lay at the feet of the cross, and I had to, there's a lot of stuff that I had to let go of, and it was painful, but I found my identity and purpose and belonging in Christ, and so I, I was at this, like, what next phase, um, and that was when God called me across the globe to Africa, Kenya. Um, in fact, the people who invited me are here tonight in the back, and so I'm like super excited that the, the tables get turned, that I get to speak and they listen, and just, ah, I'm so thankful for them. Uh, and while I was in Kenya, I fell in love with Jesus again, and not just Jesus, but God's Word, the Bible, and there were passages that I was reading i remember clear as day every morning six o'clock on the 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 side of a lake in naivasha and i would read these passages that said what i felt but still turned me towards god like psalm 22 and psalm 42 and lamentations 3 where honesty about where i was spiritually where i was broken and feeling abandoned but yet the writer would still find a way to honor 
God and who he is and what Jesus did. And that honesty brought, um, brings intimacy. Uh, I also uh, was thinking through Isaiah 40 where, you know, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Because I know this, this journey of singleness, whether it ends or doesn't, it's, it's hard. And we need that strength to go through. And then uh, kind of off that also there was Matthew 11 uh, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will uh, lift your burdens, give you my yoke instead. And that's, I mean, there have been many seasons in my singleness, and even still sometimes, this weariness that I feel from all these whys, and what do I do next? And um, I'm just very thankful for the, the family that I had in Kenya and the family that I have here at the church that when I actually did the work to lean in it wasn't easy but i had people here in my community to surround me and encourage me on this journey and this journey hasn't been perfect every day since um i've lived both paths of singleness i've i've run away and i've leaned in and i i gotta tell you i have not regretted a single moment of leaning in um so i want to leave us with some questions here um what if we leaned into our singleness instead of running away from it? How would that affect our, our friendships, our families, our churches, our workplace, the, the city of Orlando, this country, and the world? What if God is using this singleness to, to lay a new foundation in our lives, whether it's breaking family chains or breaking sin cycles that we find ourselves stuck in? What if we spent this season building the community that will last generations where you are just renewed and revitalized by God's love and your kids get to see that and, their, and your grandkids get to see that. But I, I, I want to end on perhaps the hardest what if of the night. What if this season of singleness never ends? I know for me, I want to get married one day, uh, and if it happens, awesome. Uh, but what if it doesn't? Uh, if I choose to only see my singleness as a means of preparing for marriage, uh, what if what if I don't get married? Would would I start to see my singleness as just wasted? Um, but I think instead, if if I choose to lean into glorifying God and serving others, it's a win-win. I, I want to get to the end of my singleness, whether it's marriage or just the end of my days, and know it was never wasted. Because if, if I focus on glorifying God and serving others, if I get married, awesome. Uh, but if I don't, God is still good and that my life would not have been wasted. So as we get prepared for response time, uh, the band's going to be playing a song that was just, it was one of the first songs that was very impactful to my season of singleness when I really started to kind of lean into it. Uh, it's New Wine. We're still doing new, by the way. Okay. <laughs> um, and just the, the lines that connected with me the most are in the crushing and the pressing you're making new wine. Because I know these seasons of singleness 
often feel like just being crushed and pressed and depressed and anxious, but God is making new lives out of that season. And then the the final bit uh, that I kind of connect with in the song is that there's power in that. And not only does it affect our lives, it can affect the lives around us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come to God in song. Dear God, thank you for just the, the, the journey. Uh, just thank you for all of it, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, and the small. Um, just thank you for it all. Uh, thank you for the times when it's been painful, because I know that you are still good and you have allowed uh, the journey to be able to point others into hope. And I pray that you give everyone here that same sense of hope that you have been unbelievably awesome and faithful and powerful in, in giving me. I just pray that you will begin journeys of healing the brokenness in, in my friends here at the table. Give us clear next steps to what it is you're calling us to. And then just give us the patience and courage to walk through those doors when you open them.